Well, welcome to Crossbridge. Uh, my name is Harold. I have uh, the opportunity and the privilege to serve as lead pastor here. And so if you're visiting with us this weekend, I just wanted to say uh, welcome. I'm so glad that you have chosen to give us a chance. Uh, so I hope you make yourself uh, right at home. Uh, last week, we started a new series called The Bridge. And so I just want to take a quick moment and kind of recap where we were week one. Uh, so spoiler alert, I encourage you to go back and watch it. Um, but but we talked about sin. Everybody go, ugh. Right? Like not a fun thing to talk about. But what we talked about is that here at Crossbridge, we, we see sin as a chasm, as this gap, as this gorge that is between us and God. Right? Because we talked about when we are born, we are born with something called original sin. And we talked about how that doesn't make us bad. That makes us bent towards the ways of the world. Essentially, we want to choose self, okay? And then we talked about another form of sin, which is personal sin. Personal sin is where we make the choice to make that gap wider. Essentially, we are the ones, because God is constantly pursuing you and me always, we are the ones that say, God, I, I don't want this at the moment. I want to do my own thing. I want to make this decision to distance myself from you. Now, obviously, when we sin, that's never our thought. Because we talked about the enemy creates this lie in us that we can manage sin, that, that, that we can keep files and keep it archived and keep it nice and tidy. But we talked about this. If you're taking notes today, one of the big takeaways that we learned last week is sin will always take you further than you want to go. Sin always starts out small. It always starts out small. And that's the lie of the enemy is that you can handle it. You can manage it. You can, you can kind of take care of this. But, but over time, it will kill you because we learned that, that sin, the wage of sin is death. And so thankfully for you and me, one of the reasons that we have hope that we can get beyond this is that Jesus Christ is the bridge. He is the bridge over the chasm of sin to God. He is the bridge. He is the way. That's what we learned last week. Uh, you're like, Harold, that's a lot of spoiling you did. I probably shouldn't go watch it. Go watch it anyway. It'll be good for you, I promise. So, but this week, we're going to be talking about truth, okay? We're gonna be talking about truth. One of the verses that we've been in so far in this series, it'll be up on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can go to your device. It's John chapter 14, verse six. And Jesus is saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so last week we learned about how he is the way, and this week we are diving into how he is the truth. We talked about how in our world there are many ways. There, there are many ways that we can choose to participate and engage our world and our families and all this stuff. But what we see in this passage is that there, there is one way. There is many ways, but we want to be on the way. We want to be on the right way. How we make choices, how we want to be connected, the things that are feeding our heart. What are those things? So what is truth? Pastor, how on earth are we supposed to know what is little t truth and like God big T truth, like capitalized T truth? How are we to know the difference? 
How will we know right from wrong? If you're taking notes, please write this down. To understand truth, we have to know the author of it. To understand truth, we have to know the author of it. And I know that so far, this is kind of a, maybe a hard point in the message, but don't, this is not to make you feel bad. That this is not to make you feel guilty. This is not to shame you. This is not to, 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 to put me on a pedestal because I'm not on a pedestal and all that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're all equal and we're all level. So this is not a time to like feel bad because we talked about how God loves us so much that he values each and every one of us so much that he wants to give us the way. He wants to give us truth. You know, it's interesting that, so Jesus, when he was doing ministry, he traveled with a group of people called the disciples, you know, the the 12 disciples. They struggled with this. They struggled with this. So if the people who were physically closest to Jesus struggled, give yourself a little bit of grace. Okay, everybody take a big, deep breath. So we're gonna uh, read um, in John chapter 14, verses one through four. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your device or your Bible with you. So Jesus is talking to the disciples. um, And before I read this passage, let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus previously is talking very cryptically, right? Isn't that the worst when you're talking to your spouse and she's talking very cryptically? She's like, I would love to go to dinner on Friday, right? And you're just like, what? What does that mean? I don't understand, right? It's, that's kind of the thing that's going on. So he's talking very cryptically to the disciples and, uh, and he, he's saying all this crazy, crazy stuff and he's washing their feet and, and they're having the last supper. And so we're kind of catching up to where it is uh, in the passage. So John chapter 14, verse four. And, but the disciples at this moment, they're very, they're tense. It's a very tense moment. And so he says to the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I am going, uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will be where I am. You know the place where I am going. So after this context of Jesus kind of laying out what's going to be taking place over the next few days, like the disciples are very confused. And the first words that comes out of his mouth is don't be troubled. Uh, Essentially, he's saying, just take a deep breath and relax because I can see you across the table and I can see that you're trying to figure this out. And Jesus is saying, if you would just chill and relax, there's no reason to be freaking out at all. Where I'm going, don't worry. There's gonna be plenty of room for you there. Like my father's house is gigantic. I'm preparing a place for you. Not only that, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. And so you guys should understand where I am going. But he essentially is saying, but I am leaving you. Jesus is telling the, 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 the guys that have been following him so closely, he is saying, I'm going to be leaving you. And so uh, there's, a, there's a disciple by the name of Thomas, and he kind of has a nickname. His nickname is Doubting Thomas. Does everybody got a friend like that where it's just like everything's half empty? Aren't they just the worst? If you're not raising your hand, you're that person, right? But there was this guy by the name of Thomas and he was doubting Thomas. And, and, and so later in that passage, I'm not gonna read it all because it, it's a big passage, right? But essentially, he, he, actually he's saying, Jesus, 
honestly, we, we honestly have no idea on earth where, where you're going. We, we have no idea what it is that you're talking about. Where are you going essentially? And how are we ever going to know the way? If, if you're truly leaving us, what are we going to do? Because Jesus, you don't understand, we've been physically following you for three years. We've literally been covering tons of ground with you. And we've been doing physical things with you. Like, like the disciples really just didn't kind of stand around and watch. Jesus kind of got them in the mix and got them involved and, and they were a part of miracles, right? And, and so they had been with Jesus this whole time. Um, you know, like there was, you know, I, I could just see, you know, once Jesus was kind of saying all this to the disciples and they kind of just have this kind of reminiscing of like, oh yeah, that, that was a good day. Jesus, Jesus, do you remember that day when, when this kid, this dumb boy, he brought some fish and some bread and he brought it to us when we had all these thousands of people on this hillside and, and this, this boy bought it, he brought us his lunch for the day. And you remember we fed all those thousands of people. Wasn't that just, that was a good day. Like, wasn't that so good? Weren't those good times? But they're saying, but Jesus, with you gone, if you're truly leaving, what are we gonna do? And if you're Thomas, valid point, <laughs> right? Valid point. Like, Jesus, you're the leader. You're the one in charge. You're the one that we've been following, following. And if you're leaving, what on earth are we going to do? And so one of the verses that is going to be our battle cry in this series is the bridge will be John 14, six. And so he answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. But essentially that's not enough for the disciples. So in John 14, uh, verse eight, Philip chimes in. So he, had, he, got his, uh, he got his take from Thomas and now he's hearing from Philip. And Philip says, Lord, show us the father. So essentially he's saying, show us your dad and that'll be enough. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the work themselves. Guys, the disciples were full of doubt. They were full of doubt. And so the reason why I'm saying this is that if there's moments when you have doubt, it's okay. It's okay. Because the people who were physically with Jesus seeing, seeing the miracles, they're, they're just like, you, you show me your dad and this will be legit. Like when we read that, doesn't that just blow your mind how crazy that sounds? And so if you have moments of doubt in your life, it's okay. You know, how many of you, when you tackle a project or you're having something done on your home or your business or whatever, how many of you guys ask for references for employees or all kinds of stuff or whatever? Of course you do. And this essentially what is going on, right? Like if, if somebody's gonna remodel your kitchen, like you wanna see previous work that they've done. Like you just don't wanna let some random dude in your kitchen right? And the next thing you know, it's a mess and it's a disaster. Like you want testimonials on how they did on the job. 
You know, the disciples, they had literally been in the presence of God for years and years, and some of them never even recognized it. Jesus is saying, even though you've been with me physically, because my dad lives in me, you've seen him. You've seen what he has to offer and you've seen him work. I think the disciples knew that they were amongst something really special, but they really didn't recognize what was going on. Did they know the father because of the son and the son because of the father? And it's really sad that essentially the disciples that had watched and witnessed and participated and it still wasn't enough. You know, as we read that, you know, maybe, maybe you could put yourself in their shoes and be, you know what though, but if, if, I, if I would have been there that day when they, when they fed 5,000, I, I would have been able to have been so sold out for what God is wanting to do in my life and in around me. If I could have just had a seat on the boat when Jesus calmed the storm, I thought I was gonna die. But if I could have been there on, on a cushion and seen what Jesus did, of course, there's no way I would have the doubts that I have today. Surely that would be enough proof for you and me. But the disciples still didn't. And how many of us maybe fit that description today? You know, how many of you guys enjoy a, a promotion? Yeah, right, absolutely, right? Who loves a good promotion? You know, so in the context of the passage, you know, Jesus essentially, he's saying, I'm leaving, um, right? And if you're a disciple, the gig's up, <laughs> right? Like, Jesus, we get it. We've been following you. It's been a great three years. What a great run. Um, you know what? If, if I'm Thomas or if I'm Peter or Matthew or Mark, I'm getting everybody's like cell phone numbers for like a reunion party in a couple of years, right? Like that's, that's my mentality is that, is that, is that like, we're going to get the band back together and talk about the good old days and all this stuff. Because Jesus, if you're truly leaving, if you're, if what's going to happen is, is truly going to happen, there's no way this can continue. There, there's no way on earth that this is going to be able to sustain itself. What a great experience. But then Jesus drops a bomb on his followers. In verse 12, it says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. <laughs> this next part so blows my mind. And then they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Who wants to sign up for that, right? Like, absolutely. Like, like what, what hope and what a great promise that Jesus is speaking into, not just the disciples, but he's speaking into you and me. Because the disciples in their mind, they're thinking the gig's up. Our source of power and connection and, and, the, and, and, and our leader is gone. There's no way this can continue. But what do you mean, Jesus, what are you talking about? Whoever believes in you will continue to do this work. And this whole idea, I still have to pause when I read it, not to mention that we'll do greater things. I don't know if you've heard a lot about Jesus, but like he, he like walked on water. He like raised people from the dead. He fed thousands and thousands of people with a, a boy's little lunch. 
Like, like, thank you for trying to be encouraging, Jesus, but really? Like, how on earth are we going to do greater things? And so what is Jesus talking about when that comes to you and me? A promise that seems so impossible, but it's interesting. Yet after Peter's first sermon, there were more converted there were more converted than any recorded time in Jesus's entire ministry. When, 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 when Peter was involved in ministry after that moment, the first time he preached, he led more people to a relationship with Jesus than Jesus ever did. Now, when you read that passage, do not leave here and go try to run across the river. I don't think, that, I don't think that's what this means. I, I, like I said before, like we've talked about these kind of verses. I don't think that if you really, really believe this, that like in a year's time from now, you know, some of us were just not made to dunk a basketball, right? What he is talking about, because of our relationship with him and him working in us, he is using you and I as an influence to reach people and to reach people and to reach people and to reach people. to do a work in us. And not only that, like he is giving us a blank check. How many of you guys would appreciate it if like I took a check, signed my name on it and handed it to you? Don't get too excited because you would get like $17. But Jesus, I mean, Jesus is literally saying, whatever you want to do in my name, here is a blank check. Consider it done, whatever you want to do. But, but the kicker with that is that ultimately, whatever we want to do, are we fulfilling our purpose by being in relationship to him and pointing people to him? That is the purpose, because that's what it's talking about. If it brings glory to me, like here's the blank check. W whatever you want to do, I'm going to help you. I'm going to equip you. I I'm going to give you whatever means necessary to make this happen. You know, I need a I need an honesty moment real quick. Um, is it okay if your pastor says that everything that I do, maybe I always don't do it for his glory? Because I was I was working on this message and I had to break check myself and and you know, as your pastor, like I pray for growth in our church. I, I, I pray for us to grow and to knock down walls and to plant and to, and to raise funds so we can acquire more people for the Lord and more people for the Lord. And I, I, I pray for those things. But then sometimes I have to pause and say, but is this for my glory? Is it for him? And there's moments where I have to break, check myself because I'm not doing it in my name. We have to do it in his so here's, so here, here's the truth. Here's kind of landing the plane. So right after that, he says all this. And so he says in John 14, verse 15 and 16, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It'll be the spirit of truth. 
So essentially he is saying is that if you love me, if you, if you will be in relationship with me, Jesus, even though you are leaving, my dad is going to send a gift to all of mankind, the Holy Spirit, to bring truth to you. Because I don't know if you know this or not, the world wants to give you its version of truth. But when we are on the way, when we are choosing a relationship with Jesus, we get big T truth. And the big T truth, it comes from the Holy Spirit working and dwelling in us. So last week we talked about this whole idea of original sin, right? We're bent towards the ways of the world. When we choose to make a decision to allow God in our life, we are a new creation. He has made us brand new. And because of that, the Holy Spirit now has space to live in our life. But for the Holy Spirit to continue to work and to develop and to lead us and for us to be able to hear the truth, we have to be pursuing Christ all the time. Like it can't just be when you're at Crossbridge participating in worship. It's gotta be a conscious choice that we, de- that we make every single day, every single day. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a really good friend of mine who's going to come up and help me with a, uh, an illustration. Um, he, uh, can everybody just give a small clap for Mr. Ethan, please? So, um, I got Ethan here. And, uh, so Ethan is a great young man. I've had the pleasure of, uh, being his youth pastor and now being his pastor, pastor, uh, it's been a, it's been a, an absolute pleasure most of the time. And uh, I'm kidding. He's a, he's, a, he's a great young man. So Ethan, I talked to him and kind of prepped him a little bit. Ethan is illustrating kind of that initial moment of when, of when we are aware that we have fallen short of the glory of God and we need him in our life. And so I got my little iPad stand here and that's gonna be kind of the marker of, of where it starts. And, and, so, and so I'm gonna be God in this picture and Ethan's gonna be himself and, and Ethan's going to take a, a, a step in his relationship. So he, he, he takes his first step. God, I need you. God, I, I'm pursuing you. Obviously at, obviously at this stage in his life, this is kind of like the parent with, with a young child who's learning to walk saying, come on, buddy, you got it. You can do it. Just, just keep trying, right? This is, this is kind of that, this is kind of that stage. And, and then Ethan takes a, he takes another step, right? And, 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 and this is where he's really starting to figure life out. And he says, I'm so glad that God has saved me from all the sin in my life. And, and I know that there's still that this part of me where, um, I want the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And the Holy Spirit is living and dwelling in you and he's helping you and he's, and he's bringing big T truth in your life, Ethan. I believe that. And because of that, it's going to stir some things up in you. It's going to make you aware of, okay, you know what? Some, maybe something that's really negative that I'm connected to, I don't need that. Maybe some of the language I use, maybe I shouldn't say that or whatever the case may be, right? And so Ethan's at that place in his life and then Ethan is constantly pursuing the Lord and he takes another big step and, and he's never going to be God. He's never going to get there, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm drawing him and I'm pulling him and I'm growing him. And, 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 and when you get to kind of this phase, something really cool happens because you, you are kind of starting to figure some things out. And maybe this is a time where you're like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give 20 bucks for the first time in church. I, I've never given before. One of the pleasures 
that I have throughout my week is that I get first-time guests and a first-time giver, and I love writing cards, and I'm sorry my handwriting's so poor. If you've gotten one of those, I apologize, I'm working on it, right? I'm doing some development stuff. Please, thank you for your grace. But you know what? And I don't care what the dollar amount is. Your lead pastor, I do not, I don't care what the dollar amount is. If I knew when you dropped it in the bucket or you hit a button on our app, if I knew you did it right then, I would take you to the parking lot and do a lap celebrating. If it was a dollar or $10 or $1,000, I would celebrate to high heavens with you because that's God working in you in some capacity. And you know what? And maybe from this step, Ethan take another step. Maybe he gets to this point in his life and he's like, I need to tithe. Maybe, maybe God is calling me to do 10%. I don't, I don't know, but the, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and do those things. And you know, one of my favorite stories when I've got a, I've got a gentleman who's pastoring me right now. Uh, when I call him, I'm not Pastor Harold, I'm Harold. He's my pastor. He's my guy. He was also my mentor in college. I was about in this stage of my spiritual life having some stuff figured out, but I had desires. I, I had this desire to find a wife, right? Because I was paying all this money to go to college. I got to find somebody to live with me. So I had this great desire for a wife and a spouse and somebody to do ministry with. And, and I kept having all these negative relationships and it just never worked out. And I was getting so frustrated. And, and then and, 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 uh, the best advice I ever received, my mentor said, Harold, just run, run to the Lord. Just focus on him, make strides towards him, focus on him. And when you do that for a little while, look around. And if there's a young lady who's doing that, then, 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 there, then go, go do that. And thankfully that is sitting right over there. I'm so thankful for that. She's just like, ah, right? I don't know, <laughs> but, but, here, but here's why I'm telling you that story. As long as we are pursuing the Lord, as long as we are, Ethan, as long as we're making strides, when I am doing that, my life has never gone sideways. It's not always been super easy. It's not always been super fun, but I can promise you it has never, ever gone sideways. Ever. Ethan, thank you. You can go get your guitar. So... I say all that to say, I say all that to say, I don't, I don't know where you are on your journey. All I want to know is, is that I want to, I want to celebrate with you with where you are. And I'm so thankful that you're here. But what I want you to understand is that, is that, is that you can't, you can't just get started and stop. I mean, because God's going to be right here. He's going to be encouraging you. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. And whether you're towards the very end of your life, God is going to have something for you to step into. But we have to keep approaching him. If you want truth, if you want resolution, if, if, if you want things to not be sideways in your life, we have to be pursuing him. You know, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment, Graves in the Gardens. You know, I, I feel like some of you might be up to your knees in a grave and you feel like it is about to completely consume you. And, and I don't know where you're at. I don't know all the dynamics and the context of all the ins and outs of your life, but I know the one who does. <laughs> and he's asking you, would you take a step? 
will you, will, will you just take a step towards me? And I got you. I'm gonna be there with you. Would you get on your feet if you're able?